Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. that I can't wait for you guys to hear. Um, it's very, very good. We talked a little bit on the telephone about it, and I mentioned it a little bit about it on the program, I think, the other night. Didn't tell y'all who it was. I wanted it to be a surprise, but he's having problems getting in just like I had problems getting in, which makes sense since what he's got to tell is very important. Very important. Some... It, be a lesson for some folks. You'll listen to what he's got to say because he's going to give you personal experience of what he done himself. But anyway, before we get started in Judges chapter seven, um, brother Dave, if you would open us in a word of prayer, brother. Yes, I certainly will. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you tonight, and we come with thanksgiving, with joy, and the glory of what you've given to us, salvation. By grace, not by works that we have done, Lord. Nothing that we have done to achieve anything except the acknowledging that you did it all and that you did it for us, that you died on the cross, carried our sins on your body on the cross and died and resurrected again, Lord. And tonight we know that your spirit is here with us tonight as we go through the word and I pray that the Holy Spirit anoint Pastor Don and give him the scriptures to speak and anoint the readers of the scriptures, Lord, to speak it exactly the way the Holy Ghost wants, the way he wants, with the emotion he wants. And Lord, I pray tonight that people's hearts that are dark would see. People who can't see in certain areas would begin to see. 
those that come by just to criticize that they would be confounded but in their criticisms as the truth comes blazing into their hearts and minds. And I pray, Lord, that we'd all have a new sense of repentance for our wicked ways in light of what you've done for us. Yes, Father. In light of how we so often replicate the Israelite sinners that we're exploring tonight in Judges, only probably more so because we have less excuse as we have the canon of scriptures, the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus has been shed. Yes, Father. And Lord, I pray that you would repent us tonight, that you'd wash us afresh by your blood. Yes, Lord. And cause us to be in remembrance at all times that it's only by grace, it's just by what you've done. And we claim that and we pray for the power over wickedness, over demons, and over our flesh, that we would succeed to your glory in all this, that we would live to your glory and accomplish those things by which you've enabled us to come into this plane for a period of time, that we would accomplish that work. And I pray for that in the name of Jesus, so be it. Amen. 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 Well, folks, like I said, to start the, the book of Judges, the whole book is a philosophy of world history. It's a philosophy of Israelite history. It's a philosophy of individual Christian history as well. Because you can break it right down to individual life, and that old wheel just keeps on turning. Every time prosperity comes, people get fat, happy, and sassy, and do wicked against the Lord. Just like the last church is fat, happy, and sassy and gets the rebuke it gets, it just keeps on happening. There's only one cure. Then the only cure is the Lord Jesus Christ's presence on this earth. Amen, amen. That is the only cure. There is no there is no righteousness in man to, to bring about a cure. There is no evolution. It's devolution. Everything has devolved. Father Adam was perfect to start with, and it's been devolving ever since. It's plain, plain as day, if you believe the book. Living to nine, even in a sin, even in a sinful state, living to nine hundred years, Methuselah, and the, and the age just kept on devolving down to where it stabilized. Three score and ten. And human nature keeps degenerating. The human genome is not getting better, and it's not finding it. it, Evolution is the biggest lie it's ever been been promulgated on on humanity. (laughs) And it's sickening. It's sickening. And it's just accepted. Just people accept it. The world accepts it. And you have to deal with that all the time. That's why you're told to be separate from the world. You're told to despise this world, have nothing to do with the things in this world, and to despise the world's system because the God of this world is Satan himself. We got a reprieve now here in North America. 
with someone that I am thoroughly convinced the Lord's hand's on. Just like Cyrus, the Lord's hand was on Cyrus and Nebuchadnezzar, and the Lord used them. And I think our president, Donald Trump, the hand of God's on him as well. I believe that with all my heart. And I said, we saw a miracle take place and continue to pray for him, continue to pray for his safety, and that the Lord would continue to give him wisdom in how to deal with the demons that he's having to deal with. Because if you keep up with it, you know what all's going on. He's not a politician. I believe he's just the man that God has chosen for this time. And either way, whether it's um, a special blessing from the Lord or not, we know according to Daniel 4 that the Lord puts in who he wants anyway and takes out who he wants. That's totally in the Lord's hands. People forget that. But anyway, I'm asking again that you would remember, continue to remember him in your prayers for his safety, for him and his family, and the Lord would just pour wisdom out on him to let to to make it possible for us to live peaceably and accomplish what we were put here on this earth to do. If nothing else, that that will happen. If you go praying about prosperity and having a whole lot of money and all that stuff, well, where did it get you before? When we were the biggest lender nation in the world, when everybody turned to us to borrow money. When we were the most powerful nation in the world, when everybody, you know, was sitting under his own vine tree and had his own cluster of grapes, so to speak, metaphorically speaking. What happened? Got fat, happy, and sassy, turned her back on God, took God out of the schools. Same thing happens here in the book of Judges. Just spoken of a little differently. And that old wheel of history just keeps on turning. But there's lessons to be learned. And we learned already that God uses uncommon, I mean, the most common of people for some of the most using, like a left-handed man. Just That was the only reason God used the guy, because he was left-handed. He could. That was the only thing outstanding about him. It calls Gideon here, the great man of valor, and he's nothing but a, a, a straight-out coward with no faith at all. Then we see God chooses the weak things of the world and the things that are despised to, to make, a, make an ass out of the world because the world thinks everything that you have to have this certain um, charisma or you have to have these certain personality gifts, or you have to be educated so much. That's the world's way of looking at things. God's way of looking at things is totally opposite. Because he takes the things that, the, the things that are not to bring about the things that are. And each one of these people we're going to run across, like I said, we see they've got certain little bitty things that the Lord said, okay, I'll use you and make you a judge and do great wonders with you. And last program, we saw how the Lord, that um, Barak, 
was such a sissy, he wouldn't even go to battle without hanging on to Deborah's coattail. And we saw that two women, Jael and Deborah, did great things, but then in Hebrews 11, God don't even mention their name and gives Barak all the credit. Sexist, didn't it? <laughs> Sexist, didn't it? According Brother Ronnie is on the phone. Is Brother Ronnie, Brother Ronnie, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, folks, I'm going to stop right there, and I want Brother Ronnie, um, it's, Brother Ronnie, you go ahead and introduce yourself and just start your story wherever you want to, brother. It's the the, the platform's yours right now, brother. Well, I'm honored to be here, everybody. My name's Ronnie Waters, and I've been on the call or chatted as Calvinist Baptist, kind of denoting my background, but. I was uh, I was went to a Baptist church in 1973 after my father passed away and was baptized and I also attended a missionary church so I early on became acquainted acquainted with the differences of the different churches and you know soteriology or salvation doctrine and and I got into you know kind of fell away from that and got into Pentecostalism and during the time I got into sports. And then after high school, I went just headlong into sort of just the punk rock anarchy sort of thing. But, you know, I always would run into Christians and they would goad me into going back to church. And and I got addicted to, you know, substances like alcohol. And then by 88, I became settled on a doctrine. I decided I was a landmark Baptist, you know, sort of like <laughs> almost almost a Baptist bride. Baptist bride, yeah. Yeah. So I, um, from 88 to 95, I struggled with it, with issues. I went in the Army to hopefully to escape alcohol, but yeah, that was idiotic, but I got right back into it. But I still went to church even then when I was, when I was cleaned up a little bit. But 95... 1995, the Lord gave me victory over the alcohol. Praise the Lord. And I and I, I was up in Kansas, and it was real hot, and I was working in a halfway house. I, I volunteered to get away from the alcohol. You know, I was around criminals. I had people threatening to knife me and calling, you know, just I just it was really a horrible place, but I decided to buckle down and endure it. You know, even though I was risking getting knifed, that I was just going to have to do it. And when I got satisfied that I could get back to Norman and resume life, which is what I did. And I got in church and I got married and I really didn't think about where I stood on things until 07. And I just, you know, things aren't working out so well in the world. And I'm wondering what the heck is wrong. And I started exploring uh, the histories of World War One and Two, and decided that that there were things about international capitalism that are that were wrong and that would that Uncle Adolph was right about maybe some things. And then I started questioning my faith and the things I've been taught, and I came across this website. Now, I'm going to warn you guys, this website I went to is kind of cultic, but they were just like these hardcore Calvinists on this website called predestinarian.net. And they were just, these guys think Calvin's too Arminian. I mean, these guys are, but this guy wrote an article on there called The Cursing of the Fig Tree. and said a lot of unflattering things about the Zionists and the churchianity, and I began to explore the Jewish question. And 
When I explored the Jewish question, it led me to various identity sites and eventually to, to Pastor Don's. And I decided that what he was saying was, was straight out of the Bible and not according to man's opinions, but I went and explored all these identity sites anyway, and and I just I saw all the the easy believism and, and pure biology of them, and I've since returned to the to the pure Anglo-Israel truth. I've been looking at some of the more solid historical Anglo-Israel truth, and I've decided that I'm convinced now that it's the truth. I think the Lord's been dealing with me, and uh, and I've decided that I've I've written down some scriptures that really have led me to that. You know, Amos 3, 2, you only have, have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. And when Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6, 16 and 17, where it talks about Christ taking on the seed of Abraham and he being the faithful high priest. And uh, then Ephesians 2.12, where it talks about being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And um, well, why would it be writing that to the Ephesians if these weren't scattered Israelites? And why would Jesus say, I've come for the lost sheep of the, of the house of Israel? You can see the way history's played out, that, that the Western man's been the one sending the missionaries and blessing the world, and it hasn't been these folks in, in, in what what people call Israel today. It just all seems to fall together. And um, that's pretty much it. I've been, it was, it was a, it was that website. You know, God uses some strange things that we would think is strange to lead us to him, but God did lead me on that path when I went and read that article, The Cursing of the Fig Tree, and that's what pretty much has started it all, and I've been exploring it ever since. It's, it's brought a lot of joy to my life just to know the Spirit of God is in me and that he chose me from the foundation of the world and that we have a, a mission here on this earth to stand up for, for righteousness. Amen. Brother Ronnie, Amen. explain to him a little bit how you depart. You left the program and went out and, and, and searched around a little bit. And tell him about the darkness you run into out there. That's, what I, that, that's one of the main things I want you to get across to him. Right, what you was telling well, me about. Well, I, I do. I mention. I don't want to mention anybody by name, but there were some of them that that were bad. <laughs> for for example, there were some that that said all you have to do is be you basically have white skin and you're an Israelite, and you're mm-hmm. saved no matter what. And we know that's a direct contradiction to the scriptures. Amen. That unless you repent to the Lord Jesus Christ, then, then you're lost. And um, and there was others that I thought were real seductive. You you and me both know that ex Baptist preacher, you know that does his yeah. website and Truth from God, and I thought that was very seductive. Yes. I really did. I I was convinced for a while, <laughs> but yeah. then it it all starts to fall down when when you you look carefully at the scriptures and see you have to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen, brother. Can't, you can't. It's not based on something that tickles your ears. I mean, it's pretty clear in the Bible. They cunningly devise fables, and I just found that there's some of these 
was just a bad spirit where it's all about how much you can hate somebody. Amen. That's there's exactly a lot of right. hatred. There's hatred. There's foul language. I mean, I mean, these guys get on these programs, and if they can't withhold their foul language for two hours, they're, they're supposed to be teaching, right? <laughs> yeah. So they're supposed to be the pastors, and you know, when they, I mean, we we've all cussed. I mean, I used to have a mouth like a sailor, but uh, if you, you can't even even somebody who's lost can can withhold their tongue. Mm-hmm. From from being foul for two hours or three or even an hour and a half, all well, these guys can't. Or ten minutes into the show, before they're, you know, they're, they're just running off saying foul things, and there has to be some sense of spirituality. You see the yes. point. The point, brother Ronnie's trying to make. Let me go. Ahead, excuse me, brother. I don't mean okay. to break in, but I want to say this: everything that I've been telling y'all about that bunch out there, every one of them. I don't know of no exceptions. Right. And they are they there is no fruit of the spirit there. There's no control. There's no there's no putting down of the flesh. There's no sanctification. There's no there there is nothing out there that would lead you to believe that they're Bible believing Christians. Am I right, Brother Ronnie? Yeah, you're right. And what it what is out there that's alluring that Brother Ronnie's talking about will sound fantastic for a while, but if you check the Word of God, you'll find out they have to change the Word of God or add to the Word of God or take away from the Word of God to get their points across. Am I right, Brother Ronnie? Yes, you're absolutely right. And I, I have one I've told you folks, it's not my opinion. It's a fact. I knew that before it ever came out of my mouth. And now Brother Ronnie's been out there and tested the waters, and I didn't get him to come. He called me this way. He called me just out of the wild blue the other day to tell me this story. And I wanted you folks to hear it from somebody that went out and experienced yourself. And some of you are guilty, still guilty, of listening to the crap. And it's gonna, it will get you. It will get you. If you stay, if you stay in it, this book, folks, is the final authority. It is the absolute final authority on all matters of faith and practice. Brother Ronnie, you want to say a few more words? I would just like to encourage everybody to stick with the Bible and prayer. I've been getting up every morning before work. I've decided that I'm just going to. Delve into the scriptures and pray, and be be sure to pray before you open the scriptures. My wife and I have become adamant on that. My wife will get on to me if I talk to her about the scriptures before praying. praying. So she reminds me, (laughs) iron sharpens iron. Amen. Yeah. I'm glad I got a wife that keeps me accountable, you know. So, uh, and that's what. That's what I would encourage you know, listen to a real Bible teacher. There are people that that'll accuse other people of hunting and pecking through the scriptures, and then they'll do the same thing. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's funny, like the chicken accusing other chickens of picking up the dough or something. You yeah. know, so that's really what's all that I have to say. Well, I appreciate it, Brother Ronnie. I um, I really Can I ask do. One one question. Sure. Yeah, the question I have, Brother Ronnie, it's David here. 
Thanks for yeah, coming well, on. Yeah. Um, uh, I was wondering, did you go to many different sites, to many different people, or did you just visit one or maybe two? Or did you well, like... in 07, I began to explore the, the other websites that had to do with, you know, the absolute sovereignty of God, different Baptist sites, and it it led me. It led me to to question about different forms of government and different ways of thinking. It led me through national socialism, fascism, radical traditionalism, and then it eventually led me to identity. Right. And then I, and I began to look. When you got yeah, to just, identity, did you examine uh, a lot of different teachers, or did you just right a lot of uh, quite a quite a few. Okay. Quite a few. I, I'd listen on my phone. I'd listen to Wesley Swift, Compare, and some of the others, you know, Christogania and Identity Struggle, and what you know, whatever I could. Yeah, all whatever the well-known I could ones, yeah. Yeah, all the well-known ones, yeah. Good, good. Yeah. And that's, that's the bottom line. Right. It's a lot of hateful nonsense mixed in with some biblical truth. Is that Absolutely. correct? Yeah. That's what it comes down to. You cannot tell a good lie unless it's 90% truth. Yes. Right. There has to be truth. In, anybody can pick out a blatant lie. And I was trying to find a movement, too. I was trying to find a political movement, too. Yeah. I was, I was wanting to find radical traditionalism, philosophy, and you know, fascism, national socialism. I was trying to find some way to find some sort of Americanism that I could join that could turn things around. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, even jo- I even joined the political party. I joined the American Freedom Party. Yeah. <laughs> Been yeah, there and done that stuff, brother. I understand completely. I sure do. But it's all vanity. Uh, just like the preacher said, that's, that's all right. vanity. Vanity of vanity. All is vanity, brother. There's only one hope, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. That's it. That is it. Well, Brother Chad, you, Brother Chad, you got anything you want to ask, Brother Ronnie? Um, in your journeys there uh, recently, were you... Uh, I've, got, I've got to step away for just a second, okay? So y'all go ahead. Yeah, Brother Ronnie, um, were you involved in any of those guys that were doing like that uh, that holy name stuff? Holy name? Holy name, uh-uh. yeah. Uh-uh. No? I don't know what... All I heard about the holy names that one guy was talking about, the three holy names, okay. Yahweh, Yeshua, or Yahweh, Shua, and Elohim. Yeah, so were they reading King James uh, version mostly? Yeah, mostly King James, yeah. Okay, so they would say Jesus Christ. Yeah, they would say Yahweh, Shua. That's the only, that's the only time I heard about holy names was was from that one side. Okay, because that's, that's, that was my question, is because I've, I've never experienced them, but I've heard a lot of them, they, they try to do this uh, Yeshua, uh, whatever type thing. Right. And, uh, there was right. a really, who was it that, Brother Dave, was it you that posted that? Or Brother Don, that uh, that was a really great one, uh, the uh, Watchers 13, or whatever those guys are called, they did that thing on, oh. the, on the Holy oh, Name. Oh, I never heard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I posted that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a really great little watch. Like, cause it, it's pretty sad because there's some of those guys who just cast disparaging remarks on the name of Jesus Christ, the name above right. all names. 
and yeah, say right. that you have to say Yahshua or something, and mm-hmm. that you know Jesus doesn't know who he is, and that you know that the King James makes it clear that that's his name, or that those right. guys, or that those guys Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Paul didn't know Greek like the back of their hand, and probably spoke Greek. Right. Yeah. And probably called him Jesus, you know, because that's you yeah. know if they were speaking Greek, they would have said Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I mean, it's it's just it's just hilarious. Like I mean, the the Hebrew at that time didn't even really exist. You know, there was Aramaic. Yeah. Sure, they would have known the Hebrew to to read the scriptures, but it's just it's just funny once you break down their whole holy name thing and 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 that's a fact they acknowledge too. They they acknowledge they were speaking modern Hebrew if any of them were right. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. It, it's it incredible. wasn't really. Yeah, it wasn't really Paleo Hebrew. That's what they say, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, apparently it's Yiddish with right. um, Hebrew letters, basically right. is what it is, or mixed uh, y- Yiddish with m- some form of Hebrew. Because I've never, I've uh, never had, you know, when someone, when someone uses the, the the name of Jesus Christ as a cuss word, you get that, you get that feeling in you, right? Like I just, you know, I, yes. it, it, it's a name of above all names, and it's Jesus yeah. Christ. That's where your teeth. Yeah, absolutely, and, and and you look at that person with with sorrow, but with the people that say Yeshua, I look at them with sorrow, but it's in a different way because they're not acknowledging the name of our Lord Jesus Christ because he that is his name. Back then, Greek was as English is today; it, it's the scholarly scholarly language, mm-hmm. right? Oh. They were speaking Greek when they were hanging out in in the upper room. They were probably speaking Greek because that was you had you could express more with that language than you could with Aramaic, which would have been like the street language. You know, like these guys were living in an empire where there were many languages around. They would have grown up yeah. knowing Aramaic, and they were scholars, so they were they were, they were learning Greek. You know, especially Luke and and Paul, mm-hmm. who, who would have known you know Greek as as well as 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 uh, he preached in Greek. Or be knows English. You know, like I mean, that was their language. That was the universal language at that time. Amen. So and, Jesus and English is the universal language now. Jesus and, Christ. Yeah. And that's the reason that I am so adamant against all that Greek and Hebrew junk. Amen. If it's King James only, which it has to be, because that's the Holy Bible, the only Holy Bible, then it's Jesus Christ only, because that's what amen. it says. Amen, brother. Amen, amen. Okay. Brother Ronnie, I appreciate you coming on, brother. And and if the Lord gives you anything special that you think that he wants you to, to uh, talk to the congregation about, just let me know, brother. The, it'll always be open for you here, okay? Okay, I appreciate it, Brother Don. And, and you're always in my you, you remain on the prayer list, Brother, you and your whole family. Oh, I did have a, a prayer request. Okay, yeah, sure, go ahead. I have a friend who's a veteran who just lost a toe. Okay. Yeah, so he's a veteran. He's He was in Cambodia and Korea. He just lost a toe, and he's pretty upset of the way the veterans are treated, and especially some of these people that have never served that try to scam their way in there. So just keep them in What's your prayers. What's his name, Jeff. What's his name? Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. What's his, his last Jeff. name? Madden. Jeff yeah. Madden? Yeah, Jeff Madden. Okay. M-A-D-D-E-N, yeah. Got you. He's a Christian. He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah. Amen, brother. Okay. All righty. Well, brother, I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, if the Lord gives you anything you think you want, he wants you to, uh, to to talk about, just let me know, and I'll put you back on air, okay? Okay. Thanks. God bless you, brother Thanks, Ronnie. everybody. Yeah, God thank bless you. Thank you, brother Ronnie. Yes, thank you very yeah. much.
You're welcome. Praise the Lord. Amen, brother. Okay, folks. Judges chapter 7, like I was saying a while ago, we're learning lessons as we go through here. And as we go to each one of these judges, we're going to learn something different. We're going to see the Lord working in the individual's lives. And you could cross-reference this over to Romans chapter 12 and see the gifts that the Lord uses in the body of Christ. And you'll see there is really nothing big and great about them. Some gifts. I tell you what, let's just go over there real quick. Brother Chad, or Brother Dave, go to Romans chapter 12, okay? Okay. And I'll show you all what I'm talking about. And when me and Brother Chad get into the that overview of um, Christianity 101, we'll get into a lot of this stuff that I didn't get into in great detail when I talked um, all the New Testament. But Romans chapter 12, get down there where Paul starts talking about the um, the gifts in the body of Christ. Okay. I think it starts in about verse 12. I'm not sure. Brother Chad? Yes. You can go ahead and start read. Go ahead and read. Um, start reading in chapter 7 of Judges, okay? Okay. Okay, so... <clears throat> Verse 6, Romans 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. Okay, now where he says, let us wait on our ministering, He's not talking about sitting back on your, on your buns, okay? That's like, this is the wait, like waiting on a table. Like a, a waitress waiting on a table is to be active in the ministry, is what he's talking about, okay? <laughs> Go ahead, brother. For he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that sheweth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, 
avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now you could say it and go down from verse 6 to verse 21, and you could you could preach that for about three or four weeks and not exhaust the text. Now how many people do you know out there that teach these admonitions and commandments from Paul and really get into it? How many, how many out there that you strode around on and picked and pecked around on and heard these wonderful commandments? You haven't. I already know. I can already tell you. It ain't out there. And this is basic Christianity. 101. And these are small things that each individual has in their life. Some have the the gift of giving. In other words, they have no problem shelling out the dough. Paul lays it out plain. Okay? Even though the commandment is for every individual. Some some teachers, some have the gift of teaching, some prophesying or preaching. That's not that prophesying he's talking about is not looking into the future over what the Word of God says and coming up with some extra canonical prophecy like runs around rampant, even though it does say in the book of Acts in the last times that there would be some of that going on, which is very possible that it happened with our president now. And in my in my own opinion, I think it did, but that's my opinion. But all these things, there's there's things you say. Um, let me give you a good example. What might be the Lord's called you to do? You may just have a, an ability about you to where you can uh, you don't meet a stranger. Okay, that's not for you to benefit yourself with. That gift's given to you of the Lord. So that's the way you should use it. You say, well, how do I do that, Brother Don? By obeying obedience to the commands in the New Testament by the one that wrote three-quarters of the New Testament. He lays it all out. And it's especially supposed to be used for the body of Christ to one another. Not backbiting, not bad-mouthing. We're supposed to be one in the unity of Christ. Or as Paul says, do good unto all men, but especially to those that are of the household of faith. How many get up in the morning and pray that prayer? How, 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 many, do you medita- how many of you meditate on these things from verse 6 to 21? And oh my goodness, Ephesians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 4. Paul goes through another list there. Put away evil communications out of your mouth, you know. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. 
Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Just commandment after commandment after commandment. And you've got the, the 98% of the majority of our persuasion out there wanting to talk about the Big Ten written in stone or the statutes and judgments that were done away with for the time being during this age, which are a shadow of things to come, as Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 that we've been over umpteen thousand times. So that's the kind of lessons that you ought to be learning from these people back here, those little bitty things in your life that you can use for Christ and not for your own self. Because the majority of people take those little gifts that they have and they use them for their self and not for the Lord. That's the kind of stuff I try to get across to you. That's the, that's the reason I come across as hard as I do about this stuff. And you don't just hear about the Jew, the Jew, and the race, white is right all the time. Because the New Testament three-quarters of it ain't got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with your individual relationship with the one that died for you. Because only with that individual relationship kept in order and you obeying the commands that he get laid out in the new covenant will you get rewards to be able to spend in the millennial reign that I've, I've went over ad nauseum you're not here to have a good time to live three score and ten raise a family and die fat happy and sassy and live in heaven and talk with Aunt Sarah for the next million years that's not what it's about And until you get that, your life is wasted. If so, be the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Like Samuel said, and like I've quoted many times, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken the fat of ram. Judges chapter 7, Brother Chad. Okay, Brother. Judges chapter 7. Then Jeroboam, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the wall of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them, by the hill of Morah, in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee, are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Yeah, you got this, Gideon's got this, so many thousands, 30-something thousand from the different tribes. He's still scared. But the Lord, the Lord wants to do something here where everybody will know the Lord did it, and man won't get any glory out of it. And just watch how he does it. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's great with this coward. Because Gideon's a coward, period. He is. But yet the Lord says he's a great man of valor. So in practicality, he's a coward. But in the Lord's eyes, the Lord's seeing that which he's going to do through obedience. Therefore, he's called a mighty man of valor. 
that the Lord looks at something different than we look at it. Continue, Brother Chad. Verse 3. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. So there was so twenty two thousand was scaredy cats. <laughs> they didn't want to fight the Midianites. So they had they cut the mud. Left ten thousand. Continue, brother. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. Okay. This is a very simple thing. Do you know what the difference between the two is? you know what, what the difference is? The ones that lapped water like a dog knelt down on one knee and used their hand and pulled the water up to their mouth, and they could see what all was around them. They were still cognizant of everything around them, where the person that got down on their knees had to go down with their head, and they were susceptible to being attacked from behind or from some part from the side. You all understand that? Sure, they'd have to be laying on their belly to stick their head in the water. There you go. There you go, and unprepared to fight. The Lord knew what he was doing. This is a perfect example of election, by the way. Amen. Perfect example of election. Election's always in hindsight. If you went up to these three and said, you're the elect of God, what do you mean? We just want to go kill Midianites. But see, the Lord had it all planned out anyway. He knew exactly what was going to happen. Election is always in hindsight, never in foresight. The Lord's the one with the foresight. We see it in hindsight. Or as John says, if they were of us, they would not have left us and departed from us. Because they departed from us, they were not of us. That's another example that Brother John talks about in chapter 2 of 1 John. But this is a perfect example of election. The 300 were elect. But it was, and they, all, they recognized it in hindsight, like we all do. Not in foresight. That's left up to the Lord through foreknowledge. Continue on, brother. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand. And let all the other people go, every man unto his place. So the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man unto his tent, and retained those 300 men. And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Phura, thy servant, down to the host. 
and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Okay, Gideon's still scared. <laughs> and now the Lord's going to let him go hear what the enemy's got to say about him to try to boost his confidence up a little bit. <laughs> Continue on, brother. Then went he down with Phura, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amicalites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number, as the sand by the seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the hosts. And it was so, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped, that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hands the host of Midian. Oh, well, he's done got cocky now. He, 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 he's got a little confidence. Go ahead, brother. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. <laughs> you know what's missing here? Oh, funny. You know what's missing here, folks? Or have you even thought about it? They don't have no swords. Where is their sword? The Midianites are they're they're decked out with all kind of uh, armament, but not but not Gideon's bunch. You don't see anything about it. you. All you see is the sword of the Lord. What sword? What sword? And notice they put the lights inside the vessel. And in typology, the Midianites and Amalekites are darkness, are evil. And when Gideon tells them what to do and what they do, you see, like I've, I've said all along, and like the Lord said all through his ministry, and the Word of God bears out, and I continue to tell you over and over again that darkness cannot stand in the light. It will depart every time. The more light, less darkness. The stronger the light, the less darkness. And the more the candles go out, like it says, the Lord in, in the book of Psalms, in Proverbs, likens our soul on the inside being lit to a candle. And like the Lord said, you are the light of the world. Well, it sure don't look like it these days, does it? With all the wickedness around, I wonder why. 
Reckon there's some black light going on, fake candles? I would think so. That the Spirit of God's not actually in, but they're claiming their candles, and they're not lit. Because darkness cannot withstand the light. That's just an absolute fact. That's the only conclusion you can come to is everybody that says they's Christian, they's ain't Christians. Does that make biblical common sense to you guys? Yes, well, it does. Yeah, light surely cannot run from dark. Everybody says they something ain't necessarily so. Remember what the Lord said? In that day, you'll say, haven't we done many mighty works in thy name? So and so and so and so. And what's he going to say? Depart from me. I never knew you. But we was members at the first assembly of God. And we spoke in tongues and, and healed the sick. Cast out devils. Well, there was a bunch casting out devils when the Lord was here. It didn't have nothing to do with the Lord. I forget those two. Uh, sons of Sceva? Yeah, Sons of Sceva. That's them, David. <laughs> yeah, themselves. They run into a mess, didn't they? <laughs> Is that Rod but, Sceva? That, but that, that's what you got going on, folks. Listen, you are you are a real, true, Bible-believing, Jesus Christ-loving Christians are such a minority that it, it, it it's just, you can't fathom the minority of how small it really is. And that remnant, the Lord listened to prayers of fasting across this country. He listened to the prayers and performed a political miracle in the eyes of everybody, and it's a, even in the light of an impossibility, by everybody's standards, everybody's kind of forgot about it already. A lot of people have. Don't forget it, folks. It was for you. There's something you can learn from that. It should have increased your faith, the ones of you that fasted and prayed. I know it did some. I've heard their testimonies. But all these big mega churches with this fake doctrine, the fake Bibles, all these li all this smiling old scenes, all this all this junk. There ain't nothing about that Christian, folks. Ain't nothing about that New Testament doctrine. Nothing. Not got nothing to do with Pauline doctrine. Nothing. They can't rub two verses of Scripture together. They all tell you you're supposed to be fat and happy and sassy and prosperous. When the New Testament tells you it's a, it's a life of suffering. If you suffer, you shall reign with him. Can't get no plainer than that. Dying to self. How much do you hear that on television? How much do you hear that amongst some of our persuasion about dying to self? About the crucified life? You don't. 
therefore they're liars. And they're not telling you the truth. Continue, Brother Chad. Verse 19. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers. And How, many the How many companies were there? Three. <laughs> How many times are we going to run across this three? <laughs> 300? Just a guess. Just kidding. Three, three here, three there, three this, three that. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Oh man, it's just amazing. We're gonna get into some of the uh, some of the number stuff whenever we get into Genesis. I'm gonna I'm gonna start bringing up um, a lot of the the numbers that run throughout the scriptures and go over them again. I've been over them before. Two or three years ago, I'm gonna go over them again. Amen. When we get into Genesis. Good stuff. Continue continue on, brother. Yeah, and there were 300 of them as well. Yes. yes. Three companies, and the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Well, you see there? They didn't have no sword in their hand. They had a trumpet and a light, and that's it. No sword. Go ahead. Keep on. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. So what happened is when the light shone in the darkness, these people were so confused with these their, their three sides being covered. The only light they had was the light from Gideon's people. And they wound up killing each other. They had the swords. That was the sword of Gideon. The other folks' swords. They wound up slaughtering each other. Lord's a trip, isn't he? Continue, brother. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethshitta in Zerarath, and to the border of Abel-Mahola unto Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together, out of Naphtali, and out of Asher, and out of all Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites, and take before them the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together, and took the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock Oreb, and Zeb they slew at the winepress of Zeb, and pursued Midian, and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon. Oh, pardon me, I just the last my mistake. And brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side, Jordan. They must have took their sword and cut their head off. So they they messed up old Oreb and Zeb, cut their heads off. Next chapter, Brother David. Hey. Judges chapter 8, verse 1. And the men of Ephraim said unto him, 
Why hast thou served us thus, that thou calledest us not when the, thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they did chide with him sharply. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Aviazar? God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their anger was abated toward him when he had said that. And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over, he and the three hundred men that were with him, faint yet pursuing them, and he said unto the men of Sukkoth, Give, I pray you, loaves of bread unto the people that follow me, for they be faint, and I am per- pursuing after Seba and Zalmunah, kings of Midian. And the prince of Sukkoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunah now in thine hand, that we should give bread unto thine army? In other words, they're not going to give them bread because they're afraid that, that those other people will find out that they nourished Gideon and his army, and they're afraid they'll come back on them. That's the reason they don't do it. Go ahead, brother. And Gideon said, Therefore, when the Lord hath delivered Zeba and Zalmanah into mine hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And he went up thence to Penuel and spake unto them likewise. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered him. And he spake also unto the men of Penuel, saying, When I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Now Zeba and Thelmana were in Karkor, and their hosts with them, about 15,000 men, all that were left of all the hosts of the children of the east. For there fell an hundred and twenty thousand men that drew sword. And Gideon went up by way of them that dwelt in tents on the east of Noba and Jogbiha, and smote the host of the host, was, uh, smote the host, for the host was secure. And when Zeba and Salmonah fled, he pursued after them and took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Salmonah, and discomfited all the host. And Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle before the sun was up and caught a young man of the men of Sukkoth and inquired of him. And he described unto him the princes of Sukkoth and the elders thereof, even threescore and seventeen men. And he came unto the men of Sukkoth and said, Behold, Seba and Salmana, with whom ye did upbraid me, saying, Are the hands of Seba and Salmana now in thine hand, that we should go give bread unto thy men that are weary? And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars and with them he taught the men of Sukkoth. And he beat down the tower of Penuel and slew the men of the city. Then said he unto Ziba and Thelmanah, 
What manner of men were they whom ye slew at Tabor? And they answered, As thou art, so were they. Each one resembled the children of a king. And he said, They were my brethren, even the sons of my mother. As the Lord liveth, if ye had saved them alive, I would not slay you now. Slay you. And he said unto Jethro's firstborn, Up, and slay them. But the youth drew not his sword, for he feared, because he was yet a youth. Then Seba and Selmanah said, Rise thou, and fall upon us. For as the man is, so is his strength. Man, that's amazing. That's amazing when you think of the courage. Real men. These guys said, come on, kill us. To be a man, you need to stand up. And these guys are saying, stand up, kill us. It's amazing when you think about that. Go ahead, brother. And Gideon arose and slew Seba and Salmona, and took away the ornaments that were on their camels' necks. Probably crescents. Yeah, probably. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, and thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. Okay. Verse 22. Here is where Israel starts wanting a king. This is where it starts. This is where it starts. Rule over us. And they're going to, this 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 diatribe of wanting a king is going to continue on until the Lord finally answers what they want, gives them what they want. And it's and it it should never have been that way. They were under a theocracy. The invisible God was their ruler. That's the way God wanted it to be, but they didn't want it to be that way. I mean, they had their absolute authority to go by in type like we have today, the Word of God, the completed canon for all matters of faith and practice. Well, they had the Mosaic Law. They had the law, and they had God ruling over them, and he even showed them miracles and signs. But yet they wanted something visible. Today, King Jesus rules over us. We have the word of God that's been purified seven times. Preserved for us to live by, and it gets, and for most people, it just continues to get dustier and dustier and dustier. The dust on the Bible creates drought in the heart. Now, whether you've got a physical Bible or you read online makes no difference. Either this book will keep you from your sin, or your sin will keep you from this book. And dang, no excuse you can come up with that will hold water. Unless you're totally blind and deaf and dumb. Okay? 
That's the only excuse. And then the Lord would probably make a special dispensation and whisper it into your mind, the ear in your mind, more than likely, because he promises he'll get it to you. You've got people across this plane that would love to hear Bible-believing, teaching, and preaching. That would love to have the Word of God in their hand. And they don't. Even today, in the 21st century, amongst all the technology, and you and I take it for granted, don't we? We're not like the martyrs that went to their death with a memorized verse on their lips or a scrap of parchment in their hand, having their guts pulled out and fed to the pigs and the women having their babies thrown in the hog pen, their tongues cut out, their eyes poked out, over. 30 to 50 million. Have you ever spent five days just really meditating on that, trying to ask the Lord to give you that kind of love for his book and for him? Is it is it important enough to you? Paul says, if any man love not our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. That's not agape love either. That's phileo love. That's a love relationship like a woman, like he would would have with a bride. See? That's an affectionate love. Folks, I'm telling you, there's going to be, metaphorically speaking, hell to pay at the judgment seat of Christ. I can't get, I can't, I cannot stress that enough. Like's been said by many, many old-time preachers and Bible teachers, that if you live every day of your life in light of the judgment seat of Christ, You'll never go wrong. If every day you live your life in light of the judgment seat of Christ, you'll stay on the straight and narrow. You won't nobody have to that love will be there for the Lord. It will grow. That first love will stay real, and you'll love his book because they're inseparable. One's a big W, the other's a little W. But you can't separate them. They're intertwined. He even magnifies the little W above his own name. Psalms 138, verse 2. He magnifies the little W above his very name. Continue, brother. Verse 23. And Gideon said unto them, 
I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. And Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you. Okay, wait a minute. Let, let me ask this question. Say, the Lord rules over me. The Lord, he's my ruler. He's my King Jesus. He rules over me. Well, what has he commanded you to do today that you did? Huh? A ruler rules. He has things for you to do. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, reasonable, I said reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Just words to you. Don't have a special meaning in your heart. What's wrong? Don't we have trouble, folks? That old wheel just keeps on turning, don't it? We'll get right with God and we'll shed tears and we'll promise God we're going to do something and we'll do we'll we'll try our and then boop. Hit that old floor, hit hit it again. Bump that head again. That old wheel just keeps on turning. That's why it's, it's likened to running a race. That's the reason Paul likens it to a boxer and or, as somebody that's running a race. Do you dwell on that stuff? Do you meditate on that stuff? Or is it just all about making a living and getting what you want? Like I said a while ago, and I'm going to continue to say, you're not here for yourself. You have a calling. If so be the Spirit of God dwells in you, you have some calling of something for the Lord. It may just be to be a faithful steward, it, a, a faithful member of an assembly, of this assembly, and obey what the congregation is supposed to do. Can you even do that? And you claim to be Christian? Isn't it amazing how we make excuses for ourselves, people? We justify what we like and denigrate what we don't like. There's no difference in that than moral relativism. Where they say, well, what's right for you might not be right to me. Or to you that may be wrong, but to me that's right. That's moral relativism, okay? 
No, there's absolute right and absolute wrong. That's why they want to pick and choose the book. That's why they want to mess with the book. Because it messes with them and they don't like it. Some of you haven't followed a faithful path of service for the Lord since you've even professed his name as Savior. You've never done it. Your will has always come first before his will. The simplest things of loyalty, attendance, Giving, praying, kindness, love, reading his book, simple things. Some of you have never went three days, never went two weeks, and you call yourself Christian? See, it ain't all a bed of roses, folks. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for you to bear and there's a cross for me. I know what it's like to drop the ball all the time. I understand bumping your head. I know what it's like to get off the straight and narrow. Been there, done that. It's a battle, folks. It's not a recreation game. It's warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Are fleshy, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every thought and every imagination that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Wouldn't you just love to be in God's perfect will when you took your last breath? Wouldn't you just love to be in God's perfect, uh, striving for that perfect will? When he does come back to get us, wouldn't you be? Wouldn't you love to be really striving, see, for that perfecting process, that chipping away of that inner man? These people we're reading about here. In the book of Judges, these little things the Lord used in their life, they, like Brother David prayed to start the program, they didn't have what we have, folks. They didn't have a completed canon. They didn't have a sealing of the Holy Spirit in them. They didn't have a Bible on every corner. But yet they tried, and God took what little bit they had about them that was their gift and use them. Do you allow him to use you? 
some of you approach our Lord and Savior like he's a glorified bellboy. And you can send up a Hail Mary of give me this and give me that whenever you so desire. And that same Jesus, meek and mild, in Revelation 19, ain't meek and mild when he's sitting on that stallion. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he's going to rule with a rod of iron. And we got to get through the judgment seat of Christ before we get to rule with him. And therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we persuade men. That's my calling. What's yours? If you can't do the smallest things faithfully, you doggone sure ain't going to do the big things. Just keep on making excuses for yourself. Just keep right on making excuses for yourself right on till you take the last breath and watch what happens then. Or you'll be like the Joshua that talks about in Zechariah, like a brand plucked from the burning. You run the race to win, folks. You run as hard as you can. You fight as hard as you can. You set your standards way above what you really normally could reach. That way, at least you'll be ahead of everybody else if you fight to reach that unreachable goal that you set for yourself. Can the Lord look at you and call you a mighty man or woman of valor? Gideon was scared to death. He was, a, he was a coward, but yet he was a mighty man of valor because of that little bit the Lord took from him and used it. Will you allow the Lord to use that in you? Continue reading, brother. Verse 24, And Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you, that ye would give me every man the earrings of his prey. For they had golden earrings, because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We will willingly give them. And they spread a garment, and did cast therein every man the earrings of his prey. And the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was a a thousand and seven hundred shekels of gold. Besides ornaments and collars and purple raiment that was on the kings of Midian and beside the chains that were about their camels' necks. And Gideon made an ephod thereof and put it in his city, even in Athra and 
All Israel went thither, a warring after it, which Man. thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. See there? Mighty men of valor, used of God. What happens? Idolatry. That old wheel just keeps on turning, don't it? Surely, you, 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 sometimes when you're reading the book, you get to think, come on, man. Come on, don't mess up again. Look what you've done, done. Oop. That ever happened to you? does to me. Happened to the Apostle Paul as well, the greatest Christian to ever live. But when you're in that mode of the straight and narrow, you better be doing something. You better be faithful. That's what the Lord's going to look at, see? Is that time period when you could have been faithful. There was no excuse to keep you from it. See, there's no temptation taking you, folks, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now you fill in the temptation. What is it? See? Broaden it out. What did you sacrifice today? Deny yourself of today so you could turn around and give it to the Lord. What 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 did you do? Where did you deny yourself today? In what area of your life? Or was it just another day in paradise? The hairs of your head and the hairs of my head are numbered, folks. And each 24-hour period that passes that we don't concentrate bring our minds and our spiritual souls around to this way of thinking is a wasted time period that we'll never get back. Or as the Lord says, the evil for today is sufficient thereof. Take no thought for the morrow. I don't know how long you're going to stay up tonight before you go to bed. Are you going to do anything about what you've heard? Are you going to go before the Lord? Are you going to are, are you going to be repentant toward the Lord? Make a vows to the Lord. You're going to do better. Are you going to you're going to bust your tail to try? I don't care if you're seventy five or eighty. There's something to read the very fact if the Spirit of God dwells in you. And you're breathing air, there is something for you to do, or you wouldn't be breathing air, and you wouldn't be here. And it ain't to please yourself or your kids or your wife or your friends or whatever. It's to please the one that bled and died for you. 
you couldn't miss that precept throughout the New Testament with a missing machine. Well, if that's true, Brother Don, why isn't everybody teaching that? Ah, now you're starting to get the picture. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Heavenly Father, I pray that you take the words that's been spoken tonight, Father. This little bit we've read about Gideon, how he was a mighty man of valor how you took his cowardice and turned it into something to glorify you because he was willing to give what little he had, even though he was afraid. May there be a lesson learned. Father, there's something, you're pointing a finger at somebody right now, and they know who it is. They know that it's the Spirit of God talking to them, and they know that they haven't been faithful in the little things. They've got their eyes set on something big, maybe, but just the very simple mundane things of loyalty, of putting the next next step, one step, one foot in front of the other in a faithful manner every day. Just simple prayer. Every day, a routine of putting the Lord first instead of their self. They know that your thumb, that the convicting spirit of God is touching them. Now, Father, I pray that you give them mercy. Give them an unction from the Holy Spirit, Father. Give them a blessing. Give them some kind of power, Father, to be able to accomplish that in their life because that's their free will part. Or as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, if thou will purge thyself of these things, you'll be a vessel unto honor. Meet for the master's use. Dying to self. Putting others ahead of their self. Ahead of yourself. By doing that, like the Lord said, as much as you did it to one of these, the least my brethren, you've done it unto me. See? You think I'm just blowing smoke when I'm talking about things that you do you're getting rewards for it by what whoever is in charge over you, whoever is your spiritual leader, so to speak. Whatever he does, you get rewards for that. That's one of those little things, folks. Whether you like it or not, it's immaterial. It's the book. It's, it's plain black and white. Can't you even do that? What makes you think you're going to do something great more if you can't even do that? 
Holy Father, we're in such a mess. Our people are in such a such a mess. We've forgotten what it was for true sacrifice. And if we would just we think we're in bad shape, if we looked around, there's always somebody in worse shape. We have no excuse, Father. Forgive us where we fail you, Lord. The one you're touching right now, Father, give me an extra, extra dose of the Spirit to where they'll be able to get on the right path, to repent of the doldrums of doing nothing for you and living solely for self, that they would learn a little bit more about the crucified life and the taking up of a cross and dying daily. Give them that unction. Give them that love for you. Restore that first love that we once had for you, Lord Jesus, where we, where we would have walked through nails and walked over glass barefooted for you. Renew that in each and every one that's your child tonight, Lord. The ones that mean business for you. You know the hearts, Lord. You know the hearts. But we have to submit ourselves a living sacrifice for you to be able to have your will in our life. That's a prerequisite. We love you. In our way, Father, it may be, it's not as strong as it should be, but we love you and want to see you soon, Lord Jesus. There's nothing, there's not one single thing that your return wouldn't fix. But judgment first begins at the house of God, and we are God's house. Therefore, the judgment will begin at us. Work in us, Father. You're the one that does work in us. Help us to work out. Help each and every one under the sound of my voice. Help them to understand that they need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling an individual salvation with only the gifts they have, the things to do that just they are capable of doing, that you want them to do, for it is you, God, that worketh in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And whatever you do in our life, Father, whatever you have done, We give you all the honor and praise and glory for anything that's come from our hands that's been done for you. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory for it, Lord, because it's you that works in us. And we thank you so much for the unction of the Spirit and the leadership of the Holy Spirit 
and we thank you so much for this book that lays things down so plain. And all you ask us to do is to believe and obey. Now, Father, I pray that you would grant this to the ones listening tonight. In the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I ask these things and for his sake alone. Amen and amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, folks, we will uh, pick up with this Sunday night. Is there any questions in the chat room? Any comment? Ronnie says, thanks, Brother Don. God bless everyone, and thanks for listening to me because I needed to repent of those things I mentioned. Amen, brother. Understood. Like I told you, Anytime the Lord dealing with you and you've got something you think you, that the people need to hear, you, you just you just let me know, brother. Folks, it's it's time. It's time to get serious. Amen, amen. We do not know how much time we have left. The time to get serious is now. Right now. Think about it. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Everything else will go up in smoke. Up in smoke. And there's going to be a lot of tears shed at the judgment seat of Christ, folks. A lot of tears shed when you find out how easy it would have been just to say no to self in areas of your life. That the Lord had waiting on you bountiful blessings just to say no to self and yes to him. in all kind of different areas of your life. You need to pray about that stuff. I'm sure the Lord has got his finger on a lot of areas of a lot of people's lives right this second. Now the choice is yours. Brother Dave, Yes, the contact information for Don Spears Ministry. Telephone number is 334-397-2333. Again, that's 334-397-2333. The email address is also the PayPal account for Pastor Don. The email is respect to the Lord at yahoo.com again that's respect to the Lord at yahoo.com and you can go to PayPal enter that email address and give your offering to the Lord Jesus and to Pastor Don for the work of the ministry 
Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. If you give to the Lord when you have a need, you can be assured God's going to meet your needs. Maybe it'll be a time, a dark time, when you think all is lost, and you'll pray and you'll think everything's over, it's finished, and lo, and you look, and behold, here comes the blessing of the Lord, because you gave. When the Holy Spirit tugged on your heart, you gave, and cast your bread upon the waters, and let it go from your own grasp. You can also send that offering to Pastor Don's mailing address, 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D1, Clio, Alabama. That's zip code 36017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night, everybody, and Lord willing, help permitting, we'll see you guys this coming Sunday night. Brother Chad, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Brother Dave, I'll talk to you later. And Brother Kevin, I'll talk to you Sunday. Good night, everyone, and God bless. Good night. Good night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.